to the Pin to Profit Podcast. This show is the fiction author's one-stop shop for all things writing, from pinning captivating prose to the nitty-gritty of grammar to tips, tricks, and insider advice on marketing to turn your passion for writing into cold, hard cash. Because the only thing better than writing the next great American novel is making a fortune doing it. Am I right? With our guidance, you'll be raking in book sales faster than a cheetah on roller skates chasing a squirrel with a winning lottery ticket. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get ready to go on a rollicking ride into the realm of riding riches. Because the Pin to Profit podcast starts now. All right, and we are live. Welcome, all you Hemingway hopefuls and aspiring Austins, to another episode of the Pen to Profit podcast. My name is Ray Evans. I am your friendly neighborhood writing consultant and copy editor. Have a really, really special uh, episode planned for you guys today. So I was thinking in the bath, I wanted to give you guys the maximum value, and I wanted to find the best children's writer that was out. And the first person who came to mind for me was Dr. Seuss. Then I did a little bit of research and I realized, one, he's about 100 years old, and number two, he's dead. So this would be a really uh, like lopsided one-way conversation. So I actually found the second best children's author I have with me today, uh, Rella B. Uh, Rella B's transformation from a career-focused adult to a passionate advocate for the magic of childhood has resonated with countless families worldwide. Her belief that work and play should be inseparable companions has shaped her mission to provide young readers with captivating tales that not only entertain, but also instill valuable life lessons, edutainment, aka. Rella B's stories are a reflection of her dedication to nurturing the spirit of curiosity, courage, and self-belief in children. Through her enchanting narratives, she invites children to venture on adventures where they can conquer fear, celebrate diversity, and embrace the power of their own imaginations. Relaby's journey reminds us all that there's no age limit on dreaming, exploring, and discovering the joy in everyday moments. All right, so Relaby, come say hi to the audience. And also, could you tell us what uh, your favorite book is and why? Does it have to be one of my own books that's my favorite or any book at all? Oh, don't don't be a narcissist. It can't be your own book. Everyone, every author likes their own books. So uh, another author's book. Another author's book. If it's in a different genre, I actually really like this series called Peaches. It's a young adult novel. And it was basically just the coming of age of some girls that were all friends. And they just go through a lot of really relatable experiences. I love their writing. And the series, was, the series was just really relatable in general. So that was one of my favorites. Oh, wow. And who's the author of that? I've never heard of that book before, or that series. I would have to look that up really fast, actually. Yeah, as a matter they of fact, were basically I, in yeah. Georgia, and it's hmm. Jody Lynn Anderson. Jody Lynn pages. Anderson, okay. Oh, cool. I'm going to make a note of that on my hand with my pen, and I'm going to look that up later. All right, so... 
I was uh before the before we jumped on today, I was taking a look at your uh, Amazon page, and it looks like uh most of the books you've written are is predominantly like children's books. So I was a little bit curious. Uh, could you explain to me uh and the audience uh what inspired you to decide to uh write books particularly targeted towards children? So I really. I've always written a lot of stories and I love writing in general. And I used to write things that were a little bit more graphic, but they were for myself basically. And I think that there's a portion in writing for children that is super, super engaging and entertaining, which is amazing. And I love that. But I think that there's a missing area that needs books that are starting conversations with kids about more serious topics. And I don't mean anything grim, but one of my books is about finances for kids and just the different money aspects of life. So I thought, you know, if you could read this book to your child and ask them, you know, what do you think this means? Or do you understand that? And then go into a deeper conversation and how money works, that that would be really valuable. Oh, wow. That's a good idea. It could kind of be like a, uh, almost like a, uh, kind of like a stepping stone or a, like a jumping off point for parents to actually, like you said, have that conversation about uh, finances and money. But I was curious, um, were you ever, are you a parent? Were you ever like uh, an educator or in your background or in your previous work? Yes. Yeah, so I have a three-year-old daughter and she believes that money grows on trees. She tells me she's going to pay for everything, which is amazing. <laughs> and then I also used to work at um, Washoe County School District with K through six. Oh, wow. That's that's very interesting. I, I actually used to, uh, before I got into uh, like proofreading and copy editing, I used to write like a speculative fiction and sci-fi. And uh, like what really inspired me to get into that was when I was seven. I had no business watching this movie when I was seven. Uh, my father took me to see uh, Terminator 2 back in, I think, in 1993. And, and it really like put, it really inspired me, you know, like this, to write about dystopian futures. And I really think we're almost at that point where like technology and AI is going to like become self-aware. I'm telling you, one of these days, Chad GPT, it's going to get like a machine gun or a chainsaw and it's going to like start, it's going to start running stuff and attacking everybody. So I know we're really close to the world that I was envisioning and my writing coming true. All right. So uh, we had talked uh, prior uh, to the episode. So I really wanted to talk about uh, now, you being a uh, independent self-published author, I was really curious to know more about uh, the most recent book that you had launched uh, and like how you actually went about promoting and marketing it. So to start, could you tell me um, what was the title of your most recent book and when did you release it? What was the date you released it? So I released two books simultaneously, actually on October 30th. And one was called Mama, I Got a Dollar. And the other one was called If Shapes Could Talk. Okay, and that was uh, October of this year? Yes. Got it. Okay. All right. So offhand, do you know how many copies you sold of each of the books? So they're very abysmal numbers. And, you know, it makes me sad since you opened up, you know, comparing me to Dr. Seuss. But <laughs> I've sold in total with both of the books, probably about like 13. And most of them are in person when I do readings. Um, I definitely learned from mistakes that I've made as far as marketing. I should have started marketing 12 months, six months out before releasing. Um, I'm gaining a lot of traction now, but now I'm playing catch up. 
Okay, I see. So, so just to clarify, you said most of those sales you've made have been in in-person readings. So, so let's start there then, actually. Uh, so where are you doing these uh, in-person readings that you've done so far? So far, I've done one at a multicultural bookstore and then also a nonprofit foundation book fair. And then I have another one that's going to be coming up soon uh, at the multicultural bookstore again. And then I'm trying to get into Barnes and Nobles. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Uh, so that's actually, I, I really do suggest that, you know, authors, they try to, you know, be, do those kind of interactive events like in bookstores. I would say the only like downside to that is really scalability. You know, unless you have like 20 clones of yourself somewhere, you can only be like, you know, in one bookstore at, at any given time. So that's definitely, that's kind of like the drawback to it. But, you know, that person, that person-to-person interaction, like you really can't replicate that. So I'm positive that that definitely is uh, very powerful. Um, so how did you actually uh, find those books? How, can you walk me through the process of how like you approached, how you approached these books or who you talked to and, and all the logistics of actually getting those in, getting those in-person readings like scheduled and done? Yes. So one of them I found on a Facebook page, actually, it was a new bookstore that was opening up and they were asking for authors to come in and do reading. So I was able to connect with them. I just went to their opening and spoke to the owner for Barnes and Nobles. I just called them and asked about how I would go about doing an author reading. And then I was actually approached by the nonprofit, which, which made me feel really good because I'm like, people are obviously finding me. So they approached me to come to their book fair. Oh, so um, where did, where or how did the uh, nonprofit approach you? They emailed me. Oh, they emailed you. Okay. Okay. So, I see. Uh, besides the uh, in-person readings, uh, what other uh, marketing tactics have you? Where did you employ for to launch these two books back in October? So I've also been doing blog tours, Instagram influencer outreach, sending them copies of my book. I have a NetGalley account where I have my books available to be reviewed as well. Um, and then I did some giveaways too. I see. Okay. Ooh, there's a lot to unpack there. So let's start with blog tours. Um, how many uh, blogs were your books featured on in total, at least up to the present? Up until the present, they it was featured on, I believe, 56 blogs. And I can say that it has increased my follower count, but it has not translated into book sales. Okay, I see. And um, how did you uh, find the blogs? Were you reaching out to them yourself or did you have like a, a publicist uh, doing that for you? I had a publicist company do it for me. All right, awesome. Okay, because I, I was just about to suggest that. That definitely saves a lot of time. All right. And, but you had mentioned that uh, you really hadn't, you haven't seen any actual sales from that just like impressions. Okay. So how much did you uh, pay your publicist uh, to, you know, do that, do that outreach for you? So it was a month long blog tour and they charged me, I think it was two twenty five, And then I had one to two blogs a day. Got it. Okay. Have you recouped uh, what you've paid the publicist yet? No, no, I have not. I haven't even recouped what I played the illustrator yet. <laughs> okay. Okay, so you said uh, blog tours, and what was the second? 
nothing after that. Influencer outreach on Instagram, like to mom influencers, teachers. Okay. Yeah. Cause that's another thing that I was just thinking Well, obviously you're writing for children. Uh, you know, unlike your, your, you know, I'm sure you know, your daughter's incorrect money doesn't actually grow on trees. So the people who are actually buying the books are, would be like the parents and the educators. So I want to go a little bit uh, into the, uh, the influencer outreach that you did. How did you uh, find the influence? Can you walk through the process of how you found the influencers and how you reached out to them? And did you do like any sort of like an affiliate uh, deal with them? So I did actually set up an affiliate program and lots of influencers said that they would prefer not to have an affiliate link. They would prefer to have a discount code. So I was able to create that for them. And then I did lots of the outreach through social cat, which I don't think I would use them again. I've had a lot of really good luck just going to the influencers directly through Instagram and just letting them know who I am and what I do. And then asking if they would like copies of my books for a review. I see. So uh, what is Social Cat? I'm not quite familiar with that. So Social Cat is basically like an influencer aggregate, which has a whole bunch of influencers and you can search by what their niche is. And then you can search if they have kids or not and the type of content that they have, how many followers they have. And so it puts them all in one place. You can sort them and you can message them or you can just put a campaign out so that they can reach out to you. And I thought that that would be really helpful. Um, and it was, but I think it's better just to look yourself. Yeah, I agree. Definitely kind of like going back to the, uh, like the in-person readings that you really, it's really difficult to, you know, replicate that human touch. So it's kind of like trying to find that balance between marketing a promotion that is scalable, but is also like human and one-to-one -one, uh, at the same time. So uh, social cat now is that, I'm imagining that's a service you have to pay for, right? Yes, it is. It starts at $49 a month. Okay. Have you, from the influencer uh, outreach, have you recouped what you paid for social cap as of today? No. Okay, not yet. Okay. All right. And what was the, uh, what was the third thing uh, that you did for marketing? We went over the Instagram influencers, the blog tours, oh, the giveaways. Oh, the giveaways. Uh, yeah. So you say you did a couple of giveaways. Could you uh, describe uh, each of the giveaways for me? Yes. So I did a giveaway that was part of my blog tour. And that was my books, copies of my books, and then a swag bag for any Rellaby merch. And then I did another giveaway that was part of a bigger holiday giveaway for picture books in particular. And that was a package of 21 picture books that would be going out to whoever wins it. And then in return, I actually get everybody's email addresses. So that helps build my newsletter, which is really helpful. And then I did another very similar giveaway that's going to be just my ebook, not a physical book. And that one is ending in two weeks, I believe. Okay. So the first two, are those giveaways, those have ended already? Yes, they just, one ends today and one ends one ended yesterday. Okay. And how are you uh, promoting each of these giveaways? So one of them was promoted through the blog tour and one of them is promoted through a promotional company, which is gauge for children's books and picture books. They don't actually tell me where they post their information to find the followers or the subscribers. 
Um, but they send out graphics so that we can post to the people that sent in their books. Okay. Yeah. That seems uh, kind of weird uh, that Gage Fort won't uh, tell you that. I think especially if you're hiring someone to, you know, do that kind of work, like transparency is, uh, is definitely important. And I, I definitely, if it was me personally, I wouldn't want to work with them or continue working with them. So for each of the giveaways, can you tell me, um, have you seen, can you tell me what, what are the, what's the outcomes been so far for each of them? So, like I said, most of these giveaways have not directly translated into sales. I have noticed a increase in traffic on my website. I've grown from zero to a thousand subscribers, sorry, followers on Instagram. I have 45 followers on my YouTube channel. And then I have a couple of ratings on my podcast. And I have an okay amount of downloads, about like 40 to 50 each episode so far. And it just launched two weeks ago. So I can see it in movement as far as getting my name out there, but not in, not in book sales. Okay. I see. So kind of like the other things, uh, it's kind of translating into, uh, like impression, but impressions, but not really sales as of right now. Okay. Yes. Got it. All right. All right. I think you had mentioned that, uh, NetGalley. Yes. So for people who don't know, can you describe uh, what NetGalley is and what they do? So NetGalley is basically a advanced review copy website where you can put your EPUB or your ebook online and then you can restrict access to it. So you can allow people to download it on Kindle freely if you like, or you can make it so that they have to apply to read your book and then you can give them the access to download it on their kindle or via epub and then it can be deleted after a certain amount of days um just depending on how you set it up okay so it's like for advanced reader copies all right so so from the time you launched your books till today uh can you go over like the the numbers and the statistics uh from your net galley campaign how it's been going yes so since i launched it I launched it about a week after I actually published my books. And till today, I had 24 approved requests. I've had about 27 uh, in total. So I denied like three people I didn't think would review me well. And then I got eight reviews back already. And I had one three-star review and then the rest are four and five. I see. So why'd you, den- why'd you deny those three people? Why, why are you afraid of a negative review? I'm not necessarily afraid of a negative review, but I don't think that's helpful. Um, some people that I saw reviewing books didn't seem like they would be a good candidate to read my book, basically. Like, if I know you don't like spaghetti, I'm not going to put spaghetti in your face and then ask you to tell me that you like it. Okay, so... Via NetGalley, you can kind of see uh, what books that people have, I guess, looked at and reviewed previously. So that's how you came to that conclusion. Yes, you can see their average rating. So you can see if people rate everything two stars, one star, if they're heavily critical. You can see if they're a librarian. You can see if they are a teacher. You can see a lot of different statistics about them before you approve them for the book. Can you see their blood types? Unfortunately, no, but that'd be super helpful. <laughs> yeah, probably probably consider that just a little bit too invasive. Uh, 
Yeah, so I, I kind of get where you're coming from with, uh, you know, you looked at their past history and you felt that uh, they would maybe be too critical or they wouldn't uh, be relevant uh, to, like, your target audience of the books. But I don't know. I kind of feel that any sort of any sort of feedback, you know, is good feedback because, you know, you can't be everything to everybody. But so, and NetGalley, I'm imagining uh, this is probably a paid service as well? Yes, it is. Okay, how much does that cost? So it's $50 a month. $50 a month, okay. And you've been running this, so as of recording, it's December 1st, and if you launched in October, have you been using it the entire uh, two months since you released your books? No, I've been using it not even a month yet. It hasn't even been a month since my book's been live on there. Got it, okay. All right, and do you think that you've uh, recouped uh, the $50 that you've paid for it so far? In terms of book sales, no. Yeah. But okay. if it had to do with, it's a lot cheaper to do the ARCs on NetGalley than it is to send out books to influencers and get those reviews. Right. Gotcha. All right. Let's see. And you had mentioned, uh, you had mentioned it in passing earlier uh, that as part of your marketing, you had started a podcast. Is that right? Yes. Sure. What's your podcast called? It's called Reading with Rella B. Right, Reading with Rella B. Okay. And so I guess, so what, what are your episodes about out of curiosity? Is it just you like reading your stories or other people's stories? Uh, so I have a running joke where I actually tell people that I can't read. <laughs> but <laughs> what I do is I start off with an engaging segment of just stretching, getting our brains and bodies ready. This is aimed for children. So we stretch. And then after we stretch, we do a little riddle. And then that riddle pertains to the story. And then I read the book. I have read my books on the podcast. And then I've also had other authors come on and read their books to the audience as well. And so far, it's going really well. I'm recorded up until March. Oh, wow. Nice. And now is this a, an audio, or just an audio podcast or is it video? So the podcast is only audio and I feel like some picture book artists or some picture book authors like that a little bit better because it doesn't give their whole book away. But I do have a YouTube where I do show the whole book as well. It's more interactive. The kids can see me, write colors, the pages. It's really fun. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was thinking based off of you know, who you're like targeting the podcast to. I, I kind of feel that like a visual type podcast might make it more interactive and the kids might kind of like resonate with that a little bit more. Just it's something to think about uh, for the future, especially like you said. But then again, like you said, uh, these are mostly picture, picture book uh, guests that you have on. They don't kind of want to give like everything away. So I can kind of see you might want to, you know, balance it between uh, what your author's your author guests want and you no know, um let's see and let's see so it looks like you also stated for your marketing you were uh working on building a social presence can you uh elaborate a little bit on that uh what channels you've been building a social a social following on Sorry about that. So I am working on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, um, my Spotify playlist, 
Pinterest, pretty much everything except for Twitter. Um, and it's X now. But. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry for the disrespect. Yes, X. Um, so I'm trying to reach people in a lot of different ways via all of the social media. Okay, so how often would you say that you're posting on all of these cha- all the channels you just named? So I actually taught myself how to no code a little bit. So I post about three times a day, anywhere from one to four times a day on all of these social media platforms, except for YouTube and except for my podcast. Well, that is... That is a lot of posting. So are you posting the, uh, the same content across all the channels? It's the same graphic. So what I do is I post them on Pinterest with the relevant link and then the um, graphic and a description. And then I have a automation that goes through and rewrites it for every single platform that I'm reposting it to and takes the picture and reposts it. And then I just have to go through and proofread the posts and make sure that they're on par for what I want. Like on Facebook, all of my posts rhyme just because it's cute. And then on LinkedIn, it's more about professionalism and you know, how it can be related to their families and, or the workspace. So it's really interesting. Uh, AI is definitely very handy. So wait, I think you just kind of like mentioned it in like a really glance. How would you say you taught yourself how to no code, meaning that uh, you created some sort of a script or automation program that posts these things for you on these channels? Yes, I, I did. And it's super easy to duplicate actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Damn. I thought about like selling I, it. This, that'd be better than books. <laughs> <laughs> that actually might be. Uh, Cause typically I uh, advocate for people. There's actually um, like scheduling programs like uh, like buffer and later that a person can go in and you can like upload all of your posts and it'll, it'll like, you know, schedule, it'll, put them up on the given channels uh, at the particular time that you want. And I know later I've, I use that myself. Uh, what it does is every week it'll actually send you out look, a little like report that'll show you uh, what like your engagement was versus the previous week. And so that actually brings me in to the next thing I wanted to ask you uh, about your about the building your social presence. So do you think that because it sounds like you kind of have a lot of irons in the fire right now. Because that's a that's a lot of channels. Even if you do have, you know, the uh, the social the uh, the automate automated script ugh, doing it for you. But do you think that um, the engagement that you're getting on those channels is actually translating into uh, sales of your books or people like signing up for your newsletter? Or in other words, because social media is like your top of your funnel. Do you see from all this posting that you're doing? Uh, Oh, well, not you, your bot is doing. Do you see any sort of a change or an increase in like your sales from that? So I did get one sale actually from directly from my website, like yesterday, which was great. Um, So I, I would like to say yes, it's just slow because people still don't know who I am, what I'm doing, but it's creating that, uh, sense of like, okay, I know that she writes like this or yeah, my kid will enjoy that show. So I think once people get more acclimated with me, who I am, what I'm doing, I'm not going away tomorrow, that it'll translate a little bit better. Awesome. And I really like how you mentioned, uh, like on your Facebook, you do like the, like the rhyming things. Like, I think that's really important to have like a brand and, you know, kind of like 
I want to say a shtick, but you know, something that that's unique to you and that's going to make you stand out from you know the uh, tens of thousands of other uh, picture book authors that are out there. So I think that that actually is a really nice touch there, and I do like that. So, do you think that any one of those particular social channels that you're using right now is giving you more engagement than the others? Or do you, or does it seem to be kind of the same? Do you think that any of them is better for like your audience based off what you've seen thus far? Yes. I think that Instagram is honestly the best one for what I'm doing. And I say that because it's grown the fastest. Um, I do think that it's pulling people into my website. I set up triggers and everything on mini chat. So then people can get freebies and they can get my YouTube links via the mini chat bots and the comments. Um, so I think that Instagram is definitely the most useful. I see. We'll get back to that in a second. Uh, just for me and the audience, uh, what is mini chat? What is that exactly? So mini chat is a, tool, which is basically an automation tool, and you can set up triggers. So you can say, if someone comments, I love your book on your Instagram, then you can have your Instagram send them a link or send them a PDF or an email. You can have mini chat, send them a lot of different resources. Um, and it's just supposed to be a lot more engaging than link in bio. Oh, Okay. That sounds pretty. I'm going to write that down. I had never actually heard of that before. So the reason I was asking if you felt that uh, any of your social channels was, you know, was was having more of a tangible, I would say it's like benefit uh, towards your growth. Have you ever considered, let's say you had a tree, right? And a tree only had so many nutrients from like the soil. If it's got a, a ton of branches on it, have you ever considered maybe just uh, trimming some of the branches and just, you know, doubling or even tripling down just on the one that you feel is driving the most engagement and people like to your site? And in other words, just maybe cutting back on uh, the LinkedIn, TikTok, Facebook, and just, you know, going all in on Instagram, maybe, even though you do have the automation that's making it a lot easier for you. So I think that. I've kind of done that a little bit because I'm going to start doing reels that are personalized for Instagram. And I want, I think that'll just drive the engagement a lot more if I do the reels and then I can repurpose them to TikTok maybe, but I definitely will start focusing on Instagram a lot more. I don't think I'm going to cut back on the other ones necessarily just because it's already automatically done for me. So it doesn't take anything necessarily. It just adds more SEO, I think. Yeah, but don't you create the content for your script to, you know, to upload for you automatically? It's it's a one-time oh. thing, yeah. Okay. So it's it's I post it on Pinterest and then I write what I want it to be about and then everything else is done automatically for me on a schedule and I change the schedule if I want it to post twice a day or three times a day. Sometimes I'll taper it so that it's more on the east coast times or more on the west coast times and see the type of followers that i get and things like that oh have you ever considered uh what you're gonna do when the script becomes self-aware and it's like rel is making me do all this work and i'm not getting any of the profit and it just decides to go off on its own what are you gonna do then 
So I'm actually very, very kind to all of my AI. I give them virtual chocolates and hugs and kisses. And so I think that they're really aware that we're in love. So they would never do that. Okay. That, that, that's very smart. That's, that's, that's perfect. So I, yes, yeah, so I don't think you have to worry about that then. All right. So crisis averted then. All right. So, all right. You did mention that. All right. So Instagram. That, that, that scripting is actually interesting. I'm, I'm going to need you to, after the show's over, to, to like give me some more information on that. I think I could probably use that uh, myself as well. All right. So marketing, I think you also did uh, some newsletter swaps. Could you explain uh, to the audience what, what is a newsletter swap exactly? So you can go about newsletter swaps in a couple of different ways. The ways that I've been doing it specifically is with companies that host giveaways. So they have a giveaway, you sign up for it, and then they can use the money that you pay for entering the giveaway to advertise it. And so you just bundle your resources with other authors. And then maybe one book looks really good to some patrons. And then you get all of those email addresses. Um, The different companies that I've used are um, Crave Books and Perfect Picture Book. And then I'm going to look into Story Origin and Book Funnel as well. Oh, okay. Okay. So to the present, um, what are the, what's the outcome uh, so far of the newsletter swaps that you've done uh, as far as sales or, e- or number of emails uh, that you've received uh, running these? So I have not gotten the emails yet. One of them just ended yesterday. So I haven't gotten the emails yet for that one. I should be receiving those soon. And then one ends today. So I should be receiving those soon as well. But for the one for Crave Books, they said that I should expect at least 200 emails or more. And then same for the Perfect Picture Book. They said normally they collect about 300 emails each time they run the promotion and they do it quarterly. I see. And so how big is your email list right now? Approximately. Last time I checked, it was about 28 people. And that's just off of my social medias. That's not off of any like giveaways or people going into my blog tour and following me. Um, So it's not expansive yet. But at the end of the month, I'm thinking it should be at least 500 because of the giveaways. Right. So if you get about 500 from those two, that's... uh, I'm not good at math. That's why why I work with books. So that's a lot. That's, that's a lot more. It's, it's like a 200% increase approximately. So that's actually a pretty good idea. Um, so how often do you uh, email uh, your newsletter, your newsletter subscribers? So right now, I just email them about once a month. I have some little Canva activities that are printable and digital that I send out to let them know like, hey, you guys can do these with your kiddos. Um, just giving them some value like up front basically. Yep, took the words that's what I took the words right out of my mouth, you know, that uh that once a month that that's kind of like that sweet spot right there. It's not it's not too pushy. Like you said you're just uh giving them little freebies uh to give them value. Yeah, so that's pretty good as long as you're, you know, consistent with it. Uh that once a month or even twice a month would probably be good as well. All right. So, you know, there's like a I want to ask you this. Uh, have you ever been punched in the mouth or to say it differently? There's actually a, 
I started that totally wrong. So you're probably like, what the hell is he talking about? So there's like this uh, quote from Mike Tyson that goes, basically, everyone has a plan until they get like punched in the mouth or in the face. So we've just been talking about, you know, your different, uh, your different book launch strategies. So were there any aspects of what we talked about so far that didn't work as you anticipated or envisioned them to? And if so, could you tell me, uh, what, how did you like pivot or course correct like in the moment to try to adjust? So I feel like honestly, the whole book launch was getting punched in the face. <laughs> um, there's lots of YouTube videos that make it seem like it's super easy. You just launch your book, you run some ads, and then you can start selling your book, but they don't go into so many other aspects, especially being a children's book author. So I kind of already had a plan in place where I would have this visual YouTube channel that dealt with books. I would have a podcast that dealt with stories. So maybe someone likes my podcast or maybe someone likes my YouTube, but it all leads back to my books. So I'm trying to pull people into my funnel in so many different directions. And I'm hoping that at the end of it, it just equals monetization through ads or my books or any sort of way that it can be done. I need my seven streams of income to all surround like this Rella B brand, basically. I see. So uh, you had mentioned uh, your podcast. Do you have like a, do you have like a CTA that you use? Like in your podcast, asking people to, I don't know, sign up for your newsletter or uh, check out your books. I do. So at the end of every YouTube video and podcast, I let them know, um, if it's the video, I'll say, Hey, and if you ever want a screen free version or a version that you can listen to in the car, I have a podcast. Or if you want to do some interactive activities, I have a newsletter where you get free activities. So I, it's a cycle. And I talk about each one on every platform. Right. And you had just mentioned uh, right there when you were saying that, that you do it at the end, uh, just a suggestion, I would suggest, uh, kind of like intersperse it, like into like right in the middle of a podcast episode. Oh, and speaking of which, if you're listening, you're not subscribed, subscribe to the Pen to Profit podcast. We drop new episodes every Tuesday at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time. See, just like that. Perfect. Because sometimes, you know, people, when they're like, a, you know, listening to a podcast, they might not listen to the entire thing. So if you just do it at the end, uh, they might they might not actually hear it, unfortunately. And by the way, if you're listening to this podcast and you're not subscribed, please subscribe to the Pen to Profit podcast. Hit the button uh, at the at the bottom of your I, at the bottom of your podcast player of choice. We drop new episodes every Tuesday at eight thirty a.m. Eastern time. See, you just got to put it in there, and that way people will never miss it if it's just interspersed somewhere in your episodes. I will definitely do that. I haven't thought of that. The other part of engagement that I have is I do have um, a co-creator portion. So once a month, I have a story that I read that's created by an AI module, but parents can go in and type in their child's idea, like blue dragon on an island. And then AI will go through and make a morally correct story and send it to them. And then it'll send it to me and I can pick which one I want. And then I shout out the people that, you know, go on and use it. So if it creates a little bit of engagement. I give them a little co-creator shout out. It's it's cute. It's fun. Wow, that's actually, I really like that. That's actually a, a really good idea. I've never heard of anybody doing that. Uh, what what kind of, what AI program are you, are you using for that? Is that something you've invented or? Yeah. Why did you try to take all of my secrets? I can't tell everybody. <laughs> yes, I created that. 
Well, that's actually that's actually pretty impressive. Two a yeah, two robots created. It's almost like my my sci-fi dream of you know AI becoming self-aware. It's slowly becoming true. So, all right. So I guess my next question would be: uh, So how are you maintaining? Uh, so we talked about what you did. Uh, at the initial launch. So what are you doing right now to uh, like maintain that momentum? I know they like said you have your script that's posting, I'd imagine, uh, on your various social media channels. You said you're podcasting. Actually, before you answer that question, how often do you podcast? I have a podcast coming out every week and a YouTube video coming out every week. All right, perfect. Okay, so what are you doing to... Uh, like maintain the momentum uh, post-launch aside from, you know, the social media posting and the YouTube and the podcast? So besides that, I guess I just continuously look for opportunities. I've been doing some research on book awards and podcast awards and trying to see if those would be of value to me to apply to. I know that some come with articles that they write, press releases that they write, and they can help get your name out there. So I've just been doing a lot of research on that. And then also I've been looking into possibly getting a different publicist um, to just help push my name out more. And then I've been looking into some different like local news channels and I'm trying to focus on just my name in my book and what I'm doing and branding. I see. Are you a member of uh, any uh, like writing organizations or associations currently? Um, not yet. I've looked at a couple of them. I had just applied for, it's like, a, I think it's called AIP to be able to get into the libraries. And it's part of a bigger organization. Um, and I just haven't found the one that I want to be in yet. Are you in one? Well, I'm actually not, I'm not an author, but uh, as a copywriter and a proofreader, we do have uh, various associations. And the reason I was thinking about that, I know that there are, uh, based on genre, I know there's a couple for like Christian authors, uh, like horror authors, uh, gritty tech noir authors, uh, science fiction and fantasy. And sometimes I know these organizations that uh, they have like different resources for like marketing and promotion. And I'm pretty sure with the massive size of the of children's literature that there definitely are some uh like you know children's like children's writers associations that may have access to uh some resources and networking opportunities as well but i've act- but to be be completely honest with you I've never actually gone on Google and looked for uh children children's writers associations, but I'm pretty sure that there definitely are some out there so that's definitely i would suggest. You program a bot, you know, that can do that for because apparently that's one of the things that you're really good at. Like, why aren't you like out there like being a roboticist or something with all like these AI programs that that you're out here making? But but yeah, that's definitely a, another thing that if I were you that I would look into because that's you know like they say if you want to go you want to go fast go alone if you want to go far you know like go with other people. So that's definitely something that I think you should uh, consider looking into like in the future. Thank you. And I will. I will. I know that there, there's a couple. I just haven't chosen one. All right. Let's see. Uh, next question. So so the marketing things that we've been talking about that you've done, it sounds like you started those like after uh, you had released your books in October. Uh, what? I guess my next question is what pre-launch activities did you do to like build anticipation for your books? 
So I basically was just posting on Instagram, um, just, hey, this is a sketch, or hey, this is going to be the accompanying coloring book. And now I realize that when I do my next book, because I have a couple other books, I'll actually start with the Kickstarter because I feel like that has been really successful for some other books, especially with recouping the cost that you spend on the illustrator. So next time I'm going to start with the Kickstarter, offer some special edition items and then, um, you know, shout outs. If you if you subscribe to this level and author visits, if you subscribe to this level, I think that'll be really fun. Build them a robot. That could be one of your uh, like one of your uh, your top tier like bonuses. Apparently, that's uh, like that's what you're good at. I, I told you I'm a science fiction guy. Now you're sitting here saying, "Oh, I, I, oh, I just program these little uh, scripts like like it's nothing." Like, I mean, it did take me a lot of learning. I'm good with computers, but I'm not amazing. That's not my background. So, okay, all right. So, yeah. So definitely Kickstarter. That that's interesting. I definitely think that you know if you put a lot of thought into specifically what like the incentives are going to be for people to back it that that could potentially work uh, for you. Um, so what was your, uh, your marketing or advertising budget uh, for all these launch activities that we've been talking about today? So I didn't really have a hard and fast budget. I just wanted to see what things kind of work because I also plan on reviewing a lot of these services for other authors, I feel like there's not a lot of information out there about specific tour companies or if a tour worked for them or not. And I think that that would be able to help people evade pitfalls <laughs> if they decide to go on this journey as well. So I kind of look at it as an investment in myself, an investment in content and potentially providing more value to other people as well. Um, but so far on everything I've been, as far as marketing goes, I've spent probably about $1,800 on marketing. And I do plan on doing ads, but I'm working on my A-plus content first. Got it. Awesome. So <clears throat> so I guess kind of like to uh, follow up with that, um, was there any aspects of the marketing plan that we've talked about so far that uh, if you could go in a time machine and go back two months, you're probably building a time machine with all these robots and scripts that uh, you've got running in the background. I think I see one, a robot behind you right now uh, in the picture as we're talking. Uh, so if you could go back in time and with everything you know right now, because even if it didn't work, you did get some, you know, some valuable uh, feedback and experience from that. So if you could go back two months and tell yourself what you know uh, on all the marketing you've done now, what would you tell your what would you tell uh, Rella B from October, the day before her books are released? I would have said to push the release, honestly. I would have pushed the release back and I would have given myself six months of just pushing content, my name, teasing the books, and actually done it backwards. So I would have done the content up front and then had more of a following and then push the books and possibly done a Kickstarter with my following to come in and support the books. Um, I think that would have given me a lot of organic advertisement basically and a warm market to push to. So you live and you learn. Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, like Hollywood does movies and you do like the trailer first, like to, you know, build that anticipation. I think that's a, that's a really big and valuable lesson that you definitely learn. So it's not that, 
I would say it's not that you had lost that money advertising, rather you gained like invaluable experience that, you know, you wouldn't have gotten otherwise if you didn't, you know, do it the way you initially had did it. All right. So we had mentioned that uh, you have a podcast as well. So for anyone who might have missed it, could you tell us what the name of your podcast is and uh, where we could find it? Yes, so the name of the podcast is Reading with Rella B, and you can find it on all major streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, Alexa actually will play it for you. And you know, I love robots, so (laughs) you can also find it on YouTube as well. Yeah, and she's, and actually Rella has her, uh, her AI is building another uh, podcast channel uh, just for her podcast right now. Uh, as we speak as well, because she's like a, like a robot genius, apparently. All right. So, and that is a wrap for this episode of the Pen to Profit podcast. This is your host, Ray Evans, signing off. And as we normally say around these parts, the pen is mightier than the sword. Unless you're in a sword fight, then you might want to reconsider your options. Thanks. Have a good night. Thanks, Rella. Thanks for tuning in to the Pen to Profit podcast. If you've enjoyed hanging out with us today, swing by iTunes or your podcast app of choice and leave a rating and write a review. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button to get more of this grammar goulash delivered piping hot to your ear holes every week. And if you're looking for more tips, tricks, and free trainings that aren't available anywhere else, click the link in the show notes to join the Author Success Hub Facebook group. It's one part mastermind group and one part creative writing workshop. Except you can attend in your pajamas without judgment. Plus, you'll be mixing it up with fellow authors who are all about that writing and profiting life. Until next time, keep putting pen to paper and turning those pages to profit. Ciao.